0: Welcome back, baseball fans, to Rounding Third, the baseball podcast, episode 32. We've got a couple major storylines to cover for you, including the Yankees, Dusty Baker, the end of the Canoe era, potentially, as well as doing a preach and reach, uh, our lock of the week, and Rounding Third player watch. Max, roll the intro.
1: Today. Today I consider consider myself myself the luckiest luckiest man man on the face of of the earth.
0: beautiful day. We are in the early, early days of May, May 4th. Baseball season is uh, almost a month old. I believe the seventh was opening day. So we are almost one month into the season. A lot of great stuff to get into today.
1: Yeah, one month in, um, you know, it's, it's still been great watching baseball every day. The best thing about baseball is, you know, there's so much of it that we're one month in and we've got another four or five months left. But lots of good stuff this week. It seems like we've had somebody set some type of this historical mark every week. Um, you know, we talked about Kershaw and Miguel Cabrera, and I know we have some more coming up in the weeks ahead, but a big one here for Dusty Baker. Um, so that'll, that'll be fun to talk about. And Preacher Reach, the second installment of it, I, I think that was one of my favorite segments we've done. Um, but, James, before, I th- I, before we jump into Dusty and some of the other topics, I think we should talk about uh, how we're going to be changing it up a little bit. I think, um, you know, we've had some conversations about how some of our segments have gone. And we're going to, in the Sunday episode, drop the rapid recap and replace it with, James, is it right? The Sunday standings, where instead of instead of breaking down every game and, you know, this 15, 20-minute long Breakdown of each game. We're just going to do a quick recap of the standings, the biggest movers, um, and maybe some highlights of the week. Uh, James, I don't know if you want to say anything else on that, but I, I think that's a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I think the focus is just making sure that we're really encapsulating and taking a snapshot of kind of the landscape of baseball any given Sunday. And mm-hmm. I think after discussions, we decided that the rapid recap wasn't doing that in the best way possible. So we're really excited about this change. Uh, make sure you're listening to our episode that comes out on Monday to um, listen and give us any feedback uh, on the Twitter, Rounding 3rd now, Rounding rd now. Um, really looking forward to this change. I think it's going to be a change in the right direction, and we are always moving and looking for ways to get better, so open to any and all feedback, even the uh, – those Twitter users who have said that the podcast is stupid and then went on to become listeners. We appreciate
1: that. Right. It's like that balance between, you know, we want to recap what happened in the week, but we also don't want to drag it out and we don't need to talk about, you know, Charlie Blackman's random home run in game two of a series. So I I think this will be better, but let's get into it. Um, First topic. I think we got to start with Dusty Baker. This was a huge storyline that happened just two nights ago on Tuesday, May 3rd. Dusty Baker, current manager of the Houston Astros. You know, I'm sure if you follow baseball in any capacity, you know who Dusty Baker is. He became the 12th manager in the history of Major League Baseball to win 2,000 career games. He also became the first black coach to do so, which was really cool to see. Dusty Baker, though, 73 years old. Um, In his third season, I believe, managing the Astros after he he replaced A.J. Hinch um, on the back of the cheating scandal. Um, And so this was really cool. 2,000 career wins. This was 29 years after he got win one when he was manager of the Giants back in 1993. He's managed the Giants, the Cubs, the Reds, the Nationals and now the Astros in those 29 years. He was manager of the year in 1993, 1997, and 2003. He's won eight division titles, two pennants with the Giants, and then the Astros last year going to the World Series. Biggest knock on him is he's never won a World Series as a manager, but he did have a long career as a ball player as well, hitting 278, 347 on base percentage. Uh, He had just under 2,000 career hits, 242 career home runs across his career with the Braves, Dodgers, Giants, and A's in the 70s and early 80s. He was a two-time All-Star. He received MVP votes in three seasons, and he even won a World Series with the Dodgers. Um, So really storied career, um, and this was really impressive feat for anybody to accomplish.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, just that 2,000 win mark, that is kind of, we talk about 3,000 hits, 3,000 strikeouts, 2,000 wins is kind of that that mark for managers where you are in a very, very elite club. And, of course, the, the whole different trailblazing aspect of being the first black manager to do it, just an incredible story there. Uh, Dusty Baker, it's hard not to like him. He's just one of those guys with baseball. He's always fun. You cut to the sidelines. I love, he's always got the sweatbands. He's all swagged out, got the the toothpick in. I mean, he is reliable for having that toothpick. I'd love to know if he travels with a box or if the team always has a box on hand for him. Um, But one of the things that's most impressive about Dusty Baker's career to me is that he was the one in the heat, as you mentioned, in the heat of the Astros cheating scandal when A.J. Hinch got suspended for one year, maybe the biggest joke of a suspension in the history of baseball, I mean, look at that. Trevor Bauer suspended twice as long as the manager who ran this cheating, conspired, weird And he's
1: league. back in the league, too. He's current manager of the Tigers.
0: Yeah, and that. so it's like, but what was so impressed was Dusty Baker was the one when it's like, okay. Like, all eyes are on Houston, their public enemy number one. He was the guy who stepped up, who said, fine, I will inherit this mess, knowing those first two seasons it was going to be brutal the fans would prey on his downfall. And I mean, initially, like I would be lying to say if I wasn't like, oh, you know, screw Dusty Baker, why are you going to the cheaters? But of course, to kind of burden that and turn it around and honestly keep nearly the same success that they had while cheating afterwards, you know, winning that pennant last year, very impressive stuff there. Um, yeah, to me, that's just one of those feats.
1: Yeah, I think, You know, you said it well. When he took over this team, it kind of seemed like the Astros' reign was coming to an end. You know, they won the World Series in 2017. They went to, you know, five out of the last six ALCS or whatever. Um, And I guess that's including his reign. But when he took over, you know, they lost Garrett Cole. They lost Zach Granke. Verlander's been out. Um, But he went to the ALCS in the COVID year. He went to the World Series last year. And the team's looking just as good this year. Um But one of my favorite things about it is he's, so like I said, he managed the Giants, Cubs, Reds, Nationals, and Astros. uh, And he took all five of those teams to the postseason at one point, which he's the only manager to take five different teams to the postseason. There were two other managers that took four teams each. But Dusty, taking five different teams to the postseason, and a lot of times he inherited a team that, you know, the Astros is maybe a case where they still had a lot of talent. But a lot of the times... Um, he's taken over teams that really didn't have a lot of momentum. The Reds, when he took them over, were perennially underperforming. I think they had eight straight below five hundred years. And he took over when you know you think about those Reds teams uh, that, that made the playoffs with Joey Votto, Brandon Phillips, a lot of those guys. He was he was at the helm for a lot of those. But this is an interesting. The thing I think is most interesting about this and Dusty Baker is, is his Hall of Fame case. And personally, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But to break it down a little bit, he's the 12th manager to reach 2,000. Ten of the other 11 managers who have hit that mark are all in the Hall of Fame. And the only one who's not is Bruce Bochy, who just hasn't been eligible yet and is a for sure lock for the Hall of Fame with three World Series rings. So all of those 11 will be in the Hall of Fame. But all of those managers also have a World Series. And Bruce Bochy obviously has three with the that Giants run in the early 2010s. So, you know, you can knock him on that. But you also have to give him some credence to his his actual playing career too. You know, his playing career by itself is, is not a Hall of Fame career by any means. But it's a very respectable career. And combining that with, you know, hitting this 2,000 mark and being one of the basically faces of of managerial baseball in the past 20 years, I I would give him the nod. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I agree. The other thing I would factor in is just the teams that he's managed. Look, I think quite frankly, the Astros team he had last year was the best roster he's had in his entire career. So that's also been part of it is he's managed to take, you know, he's not inheriting a Dodgers esque lineup or the Braves lineup. He's taking teams with middling lineups, uh, in many cases, you know, smaller market teams, you know, such as the Reds or the Nationals, um, that don't have the payroll, and he's made them compete. He's found ways to, to organize this lineup and steal wins. So I think it's, you know, the World Series is hard. It's hard to win a World Series. I mean, you look at Dave Roberts; he's been in four out of five, and one one of them. It's it's just a hard thing to do, and I feel like for a career that is so good for that to be the one drawback i don't know i like him for the hall of fame i think you know part of part of it obviously has to be the trailblazing thing i mean first black manager to 2000 wins i think it's hard to keep him out on that alone as you mentioned he's had the career and it i don't think there's just many other managers we always talk about in your reign that class and like you said bruce Bogie Locke not too many others coming out right now that i think you can go immediate lock like you're in you're good i like dusty baker to do it i think he's awesome and i'll say nice gesture uh, a bunch of the houston teammates last night got him a, a bunch of bottles of dom perry on and uh, he was in there had a nice toast nice little moment for dusty baker definitely a milestone worth celebrating it still awesome. me. 73 years old, just showing up in his sweatbands with the toothpick every day, game in, game out, just
1: trying to win. Yeah, I mean, he's a grinder. He's definitely one of the best managers of all time. Um, I guess we'll see. And who knows how much longer he'll manage? I mean, he's getting up there in age. He's the oldest manager. I, actually, I don't know if he's older than Tony La Russa. They got to be close. Um, yeah, Tony La Russa's got him. But he's, I mean, that's still very, very old for a manager. Um, But we'll see. He's talked about
0: he wants that monkey off the back. He wants the World Series. So that Mm. would dictate a lot, you know, to see if Houston's there. And especially while he's with a team like Houston that is going to be a contender year in, year out, I could see it being really hard for him to step away knowing, you know, if this roster gets hot at the right time, they can easily win a World Series.
1: Yeah, and if I think they win the title this year, he'll he'll probably retire. Um, but the thing is, though, with that Astros team, I, I know I said they seemed like they were on the on the decline after that whole cheating thing, but at a certain point, you do have to recognize that this team can't be great forever. Although they do have a lot of great players, Jammer, Jeremy Pena, who has just been insane, a great replacement for Correa. Kyle Tucker, Chase McCormick, they got a lot of good players. They have a young pitching staff um, other than Verlander. And, I mean, who knows? Uh, obviously, they do have players getting up in age like Brantley and Altuve. And, and Bregman's been around for some time now. But who knows? Who knows how long he'll stick around? The, the, see, Like you said, winning a World Series is just a hard thing to do. Um, you know, once you get to the playoffs, it is kind of like a crapshoot. It's who gets hot at the right time. Um, you know, you play 162 games, and the margins are very slim. About you know, if you're over 500, you've got a good chance to be in the playoffs. And when you then shorten it down to you know a wild card game, a five game NLDS, and two seven game series, it's just can you get the right matchups? Can you get timely hits? It's 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 really tough to win a World Series.
0: I mean, I would point to you know Bruce and the Giants. All three of those World Series in the early 2010s, they should not have won. They were not the best team going and do those playoffs in any of those years. They just got the hits when it mattered, you know, in the clutch and got, you know, some insane performances, looking mainly at Mad Bum, just doing insane things in the, the playoffs. So anyways, it's been a great career for Dusty Baker. Congratulations. 2,000 victories is just one hell of a milestone.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and one last thing, that is interesting what you said, the best team not winning the playoffs, because I wonder how many times that's actually happened. It's like like the objectively best team in baseball wins it, because off the top of my head, I can think of a bunch of teams that weren't the best team in baseball and won it last year, the Braves. They were not the best team in baseball. They didn't even win 90 games. Uh, How about the Nationals in 2019? They were not the best team in baseball. They were in the wild card game. The 2011 Cardinals, the 2015 Royals, those Giants teams. You know, it's just about getting hot at the right time.
0: I mean, and that's what's beautiful about baseball. Is so much of it can come down to one swing. I mean, look at the Tigers, the fact that the Tigers never won with a ridiculous rotation. They're when their rotation, they're their best five pitchers. Every single one of them is a World Series champions, not with the Tigers. I mean, it, it's I just don't think that's a fair mark to hold. Someone who has had such a great career out of the Hall of Fame. But granted, I don't even know about the Hall of Fame anymore. Again, the home run leader's not in. The hits leader isn't in. I mean,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. Let's um, let's move on to another storyline. That's you know, this is current baseball. I mean, Dusty's current, but it was went a little bit historic. Let's go to a team that's hot right now. That's the Bronx Bombers. The New York Yankees have won 11 straight games. They're currently going for the sweep against toronto as we are recording this so you know when this comes out tomorrow maybe the win streak will be over but they've won 11 straight games they've uh beaten they've swept the royals the orioles the guardians and as this is being recorded have won two straight against the blue jays so those first three sweeps um especially the royals and orioles not the stiffest of competitions the guardians are a little better but still not one of the top teams in baseball. The Blue Jays, of course, though, are definitely one of the best teams in baseball. And they put on a clinic last night. They totally ran them out of the ballpark. James, what have you been most impressed with in this, in this run by the Yankees?
0: I think to me, it's just their ability to consistently bring power. I mean, they are mashing five home runs a game like it's their job. I mean, it is. That's, that's really what their lineups build on. But they are consistently, it doesn't matter the ballpark, doesn't matter the pitching. They are just crushing baseballs. And Aaron Judge is always a huge question mark to me. But, I mean, he's clearly playing like he wants the biggest contract in baseball. I mean, he's playing out of his mind in these scorching baseballs. I mean, 460, 470, if you just annihilating the cover off the baseball. And he's been incredible. I mean, he's got 13 RBIs in the last five games. Like, just inhuman hitting from him. You know, right now there's a case to be made for him, you know, MVP case. And, of course, this may be very beneficial if he can stay healthy and produce like this. Him not signing the extension preseason is going to make him an extra $100 million. I mean, he's looked just incredible. And it's everywhere. It's it's all over. They're always finding, you know, if it's Glavio Torres, who's as, as someone new every game, just smashing the baseball.
1: Yeah, their hitting is just really off the charts right now. Both Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge have nine home runs, which are both tied. They are tied with each other for the lead in the American League and tied with uh, CJ Crone for the lead in all of Major League Baseball um so yeah I, I like what you said about anybody getting it done we've even seen a great offensive production from ikf isaiah kind of um glaber torres donaldson's hit a hit a home run um they're just looking really good now this is by no means you know a mark that this is the yankees year they won 13 straight games last year at one point and lost the red sox in the wild card game it's a long season but this early in the season to be looking this good and most importantly, you know, we said they were ta- beating up on bad teams, but, you know, they should be beating up on bad teams. So they're taking care of business when they should be. And even beating the Blue Jays in Toronto two games, that's a big that's a big mark against your biggest competition in the AL East. Who knows? Maybe those that, that will come into play in the tiebreakers towards the end of the season. But this is really impressive stuff from the Yankees.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, what's been funny to me is I've seen a bunch of, like, tweets resurfaced from early in the season where you had Yankees fans going "Oh, same old team, you know, they're terrible, no heart. And it's a totally different story. I mean, they're showing up, they're winning games late, they're coming from behind. And as you said, taking care of business and that cannot be, you know, underplayed taking care of business is so much of getting to the playoffs. Cause keep in mind, getting to the playoffs and baseball in general is hard, especially in a division that has four legitimate teams that could be there. Maybe 3.5, the Red Sox are still very questionable. (laughs) But, I mean, they're taking care of business. They're getting it done. And one thing to highlight just while we're on the Yankees in Toronto, you had last night Aaron Judge annihilated a baseball to center field. A Blue Jays fan caught it, and he showcased that Canadian hospitality, turns around and hands it to a kid in a little Yankees Aaron Judge jersey t-shirt kid instantly starts balling, gives him a big hug guy gives the hug back just a great emotional moment and you know that's what it's all about you love to see that uh, Aaron Judge kind of gave a nice quote on it but you know so props to that random Jays fan
1: and today he Aaron Judge invited both both of them the kid and the the guy into the dugout they got some pictures together so it was cool to see him I it was cool to see him bring the Blue Jays guy in there too yeah, and I mean, definitely, like that's a good rule of thumb. Look,
0: when you're a kid and you go to the ballpark, it's always a dream. You know, you want to catch a you want to catch a ball. If you can get a foul ball, if you can get a home run ball, that's even better. But when you start to grow up, it's still really cool. But you got to give it to a kid. I mean, you have to. It just means 150x more to a kid than it ever can a grown man. And and that guy, Blue Jays fan, awesome. It's also an Aaron Judge home run ball. Like that.
1: That's sick. That's sick.
0: So much better. You know, a lot of fans would have just thrown it right back on the field. I actually hate that tradition as a whole. I understand where it comes <laughs> from. But, like, find the nearest fan and give it to them if you don't want it. I don't know. It just seems like I, a I'm with you a I'm with you there. waste of a cool ball. So awesome story there. Yankees are scorching hot. You know, right now it looks like, you know, they're going to win 130 games and no one's going to want to play them. Of course, I don't expect them to go on a – you know, 140 game win streak. So we'll see when they come back down to earth. But certainly this is helping them pad, pad a little bit of a lead in the AL East.
1: Definitely. And and like you said, like this is by no means a lock for the playoffs or anything. I mean, look, we're like 20, 25 games into the season. We got a long way to go. This is no guarantee they even make the playoffs, but you know, you, you got to win one to win them all. So they're looking good early. Um, That's all we can say. Let's turn to, a former yankee a former yankee all-star and one of the you know better yankees of the past 15 years robinson cano former second baseman for the yankees currently well was with the new york mets but just this past week got designated for assignment by the mets meaning the mets have seven days to choose to trade release him or waive him basically they're saying they're going to get rid of him uh they he has 40 and a half million left on his contract that's like tw- it's like 20 million a year for the next 2 years uh, the Mariners also owe him like 3 million for the next couple of years but he just wasn't performing he's 39 at this point he's coming off his second PED suspension where he missed all of last year and he's 8 for 41 so far this year batting 195 with one homer in 12 games i mean you know you could have been surprised to see this just because you know, he could be one of those locker room guys. That's just, he's been there forever. He can help their middle infield like Lindor. But, I mean, were you surprised by this? Do you think this is the end of, of Robinson Cano in the majors?
0: Well, kind of two different two different questions there, so I'll treat them as such. Um, yeah, just give me your thoughts. Yeah, was I surprised? I was definitely surprised simply because the Mets of old, especially, look, Robinson Cano, Outside of Jake Degrom and Francisco Lindor, and Scherzer has the most name recognition on that team. I mean, if you've watched baseball even semi-casually in the last fifteen years, you know who Robinson Cano is. If anything, you know the PEDs. But the Mets of old would have taken, paid the super high salary, and just been like, "Cool, you know this guy's great. He could sell tickets, get the jersey merchandise going." Not Steve Cohen's Mets. And to me, this is a huge turning point as far as showing what the new look Mets are, what the Steve Cohen Mets are about. Look, Steve Cohen is having to eat. They're going to have to most likely pay him $40.5 million to have him not play for their team. And it's just it shows that they value winning pieces, you know, the guys, and this all happened because they had to cut the rosters down from 28 to 26 as part of now the adjustment back to, to baseball. And he was one of those guys, but that the guys that stayed on the Mets because Cano got cut, you know, Dom Smith, who had that great uh, four for four Sunday night baseball performance. Uh, you had Janikowski, Kowski, Luis Gilmore, not, Super great guys, but important guys to winning. You know, Janikowski had a great quote. He said, no one's going to buy my jersey, but what I bring, you know, being able to be a defensive sub, pinch running, can help you win. And I think it just signifies the Mets care more about winning as a team and having the right pieces and the depth assembled than they do about ticket and jersey revenue at the moment. So I think Steve Cohen really showing that he is all in on doing whatever it will take to have the best club in baseball not about the best name recognition so i thought that's a if you're a mets fan you know maybe some bittersweet news but look they prioritize players that are going to help them win better and you get the double PED off your roster i mean that that's not
1: a great gray cloud yeah if i'm a mets fan like i'm not that bummed about it i mean like he's almost 40 years old he hasn't been productive offensively after missing 162 games with the ped suspension Um, You know, he was pretty good for the Mets before that. And obviously he's had a storied career. But, you know, I I, I think you got to give some of these younger guys a chance who have been producing at a bit of a higher level. He's getting up in age and he's not producing anymore. It'd be one thing if he was, you know, maybe like producing like Albert is, for example, like getting on base and scoring runs at a decent enough clip. But he's batting under 200 and obviously coming off a whole year off at that age it's not an easy thing to do but this does it is interesting now like is somebody going to pick up robinson cano to give him a chance obviously you know he's a, has a storied career eight-time all-star he won a world series in 2009 five-time silver slugger two gold gloves he won a home run derby but it just doesn't seem like he's there anymore he's a career 300 hitter with 2,600 career hits, 335 home runs in the past 17 seasons. So, you know, not to bring up another Hall of Fame case, but if, if he will definitely knock it in the Hall of Fame, first of all, because of the PEDs, like, no shot he does. But his stats, um, if he were clean, would definitely qualify him. Plus, he has, like, a 69 wins above replacement or something I read. Um, but I think this is the end. I, I don't really see a reason why someone would pick him up and pay him that much money to, you know, play. Or, or, or I don't know exactly how it'll work if the Mets still have to pay him or, or what the deal would be. But I don't really see anybody taking a chance on him, to be honest. Do you, What do you think? I would say I'm 95
0: this is, percent. This is the end. Like you said, it's a ridiculously high, high check uh I, I think the Mets will still have to retain at least a portion of that, so you'll get some sort of discount on it. Um, the only team that I could see maybe getting involved, because I'm thinking it's got to be someone who they think can help and is willing to kind of eat that, is the, the San Diego, Diego Padres. It. This is right mm. up their alley. They love like this retool of players, especially with Tatis out of it. Maybe they do it for the bat, but right now they're, they're playing really well. I wouldn't want to mess up the chemistry, and that's the only team that I can think of that would even make, make a run out of everyone else. It makes really no sense to get him. So I think this is probably it. I mean, it's a hard contract. He's not playing well. He's coming off the PED stuff. It just doesn't make sense to really plug him into your
1: room. Yeah, he's got a better chance this year than he would last year because of the DH in the National League. So, you know, any team that might, I mean, any team that might just want somebody in their DH spot could take him. But at this point, I feel like there are better options. You know, I just don't think he's there anymore. I, I would I would guess that this would be the end for Robinson Cano. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I part of me hopes he's back in the league just because he's Robinson Cano. But who knows?
0: Steve Cohen, Mets, they're not playing around. And in that light, we actually have another storyline on the New York Mets. Uh, and this revolves all year. The story around the Mets outside of them being really, really good at baseball is this hit by pitch stuff. They're in brawls with St. Louis, they're getting plunked all the time that, you know, I think it's what they're eight or nine hit by pitches above the next in the league. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just always a story. Like there's this weird cloud with the Mets of hit by pitch and uh, they found themselves on the other end of it as Yohan Lopez relief pitcher was suspended three games and Buck Walter was suspended one game for throwing at Schwarber. Schwarber. I think to set this up a little bit, what's interesting to me is this occurred in the Sunday night baseball game. We were in the top of the ninth inning, 10 to four romp for the Mets and Lopez Threw at Schwarber, very clearly threw at him, missed both pitches, which I don't understand how you can get a ball across a plate in a little strike zone and not hit a player who's bigger than the strike zone, but that's a whole different topic. Um, Missed both pitches on Schwarber. Eventually, they never got the hit off. Uh, Warnings were issued, both dugouts. You know, they were like, everyone calm down, relax. The very next batter, Alec Baum on Philly, actually got hit, but it was very clearly unintentionally it was a change-up that uh, got away. You know, even Joe Girardi, the Phillies manager, said, no, 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 that was unintentional. But still, for the act of it, you had Joan um, Lopez get suspended three games, Buck Showalter get the game, and Johan Lopez was immediately sent down to the minors. So what's interesting is if they, if slash when they call him back up, he will have to serve the three games, but they will not make him serve that in the minors, which could make it hard for him, you know, if an arm goes down they can't take him as like a one or two game replacement because he's got to be on the active roster for three games before he can pitch. So he may not get another opportunity this year just because of that. Um, and last thing I say before I get kind of your opinions on this was Buck Walter was shocked. It was 45 minutes before their game at, at home against the Braves. And the GM came in and said, you're suspended for the game because I, and Buck Showalter thought he was kidding. He started laughing and was like, oh, um, Whatever um, thought it was a joke, it was not. The Braves went on to win that game. Um, Mets did lose that five to two. Uh, he did get that suspension forty five minutes like before the game, so maybe questionable. You know, I think maybe that's something you give them at least that information in the morning, let them make a little bit of a pivot. But what do you think, Max? I mean, this is a team that's been thrown on all year, and now they really are serving the first suspension related to plunking a batter.
1: Yeah, I just don't really care about this, to be honest. Like, you know, like, sure, yeah, the story's been they've been thrown at all year. Or I wouldn't even say they've been thrown at. They've just gotten hit by the most pitches this year. Like, you could mark that down as just a coincidence. Like, somebody's got to get hit the most. Sure, they have, like, you know, reasonably more than the other teams. But I don't think it's, like... A, a statistically significant more amount than the other teams, and I don't think teams have been going out of their way to throw at them. Now, in this case, if they're intentionally throwing at Schwarber, which it did look like they were there, um, one he didn't hit him, and then they got warned, and then sure he hit Alec Bone, but he wasn't ejected after the like right after that pitch, which a lot of times you see happen where if you're warned and then you try again, and whether you hit them or and obviously intentionally throw at them, you'll get immediately tossed. The pitcher will. That didn't happen. The umpire didn't throw him out. He stayed in the game. And so then afterwards, they they come down on Buck and and the pitcher. I just don't really care. Like, it is what it is. Buck served his suspension. And I feel like he feels a similar way. He's just like, really? Like, they they suspended us. Like, we're the ones getting hit. He gave us a warning after we threw at Schwarber and, and that it is what it is. But I, you know, I just don't really care. I think will I, I think this whole Mets getting hit by pitches thing will just die down. I think they'll fall back in with the pack. But I don't know. That's that's my take.
0: Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think it's just it's already in the past. They they keep on rolling. They keep on winning games. And you know, Buck Walter's a professional. He uh, could be up there. You know, another great manager of this time. He's already he's not even worried about that suspension or that game. He's thinking two, two series in front of where we are now. Um, so no problems there. Um, other thing, just since we've been talking about New York uh, in the process, kind of a fun stat that came out, and, and I believe this is still true, but early on in the week, we had the first time in Major League history where both teams – from Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Dodgers from the NL, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim from the American League, and the New York Yankees and New York Mets all were leading their division at the exact same time, all on top, which it's crazy that it hasn't happened um, yet, because of course, you know, they have a lot of money to spend. Um, All those teams are high spenders, uh, decently good, what would have made this the extra cherry on top of my opinion is if somehow we could have gotten both of the Chicago teams to be leading the central, then that would be insane. If it's basically like, well, New York, Los Angeles and Chicago, you don't need to look anywhere else for baseball.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is funny. You know, we've seen the angels struggle the past, you know, past several years, and the, and the Dodgers, you know, if we're thinking back to when the angels were good, when they won the World Series in 2002 um you know what that wasn't the dodgers time and and it's also you need four teams to be at the top at the same time so it's it's a tough thing and in in new york it seems rare that we see both new york teams good at the same time i mean it's happened it's happened in the past obviously but it's cool and the 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 chicago thing would be cool if the white Sox were up in the central and the, the cubs were too but the Cubs have really been struggling. That might, that might be worth its own segment in the future. Just, I mean, we didn't expect that team to be good necessarily, but they they, I mean, they haven't looked too great as of late. But but yeah, that's an interesting set. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we it said is, it would be a two team race, and it's looking like it
0: is. It is very clearly already a two team race. I'd be willing to send the other three home and just count wins for the Brewers and Cardinals. The Reds aren't the even
1: in the division.
0: They're not in Major League Baseball. What are you talking about? Honestly, they should be relegated to AAA ball, and they probably are still a 500 team. They're
1: Uh, 3-20. and Like, that is unbelievable.
0: Perennially uh, dicey team of forever. Uh, So that was just a kind of quick little thing. That gets through our storylines on the day. Some pretty exciting different things to touch on. Now a segment that I know you're super excited for, something we've done in the past and was really fun, the Preacher Reach segment. Yep. we will both give three takes, present it to the other one. And you're gonna have to say Max, you'll tell me I'll tell you is that a preach? Do we like it? Is your head in the right spot? We believe in that? Or is it a reach? You know, your heads in the clouds, you have no clue. You're totally off base. No gray area. It's all black and
1: white in this segment.
0: Max, why don't you start me off? Send me your uh, your best
1: fastball yeah let me do it let me kick it off so my the one i'm going to start with and and i will clarify a lot of the times when i come up with these i'm not necessarily like saying that i 100 percent believe in this but i think it's an interesting take that i can argue the side of and so I, I want to get your take my first one is and this this one's been changed the wording a little bit but mine is that the NOS is the most interesting division in baseball right now and will be for the whole season Because if you look at it, and let me just give you my spiel real quick, you have the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants, all haven't even hit 10 wins, all haven't even hit 10 losses yet. So three of the top teams in the National League. In fourth place, you have the Rockies, who are 13 and 10 and still above 500, and have that, you know, that weird Chris Bryant thing, Crohn's leading the NL in home runs. They've got some pieces there. And the Diamondbacks, who for a while were like, they can't score a run, They just swept the Miami Marlins in Miami. They're just hitting, and they seem to get all their runs with just home runs. Uh, And they're 13 and 13, above 500. No other division in baseball has all teams above 10 wins. And they have all the teams at at least 13 wins. So I think the NL West will be the most interesting division in baseball. And no Tatis yet either.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a huge factor. I'll, I'll give it a preach, and I think the reason that I like the take is, as you mentioned, we knew it was going to be top-heavy. We knew with San Francisco and LA what we were going to get, but I had the diamond, both the Diamondbacks and Rockies being, you know, non-existent clubs, and, like, you very much can't cross them off the record. Both those teams have beat the Dodgers. Like, the two series the Dodgers have lost were to those teams. So it really is anything, as you mentioned, the San Diego team is scorching hot. You have both Hosmer and Machado leading the league in batting average 1-2. and two, With Tatis coming in the pipe, San Francisco's been good as ever. Um, you know, not good enough to beat the Dodgers last night, but go figure. Big brother, small brother situation. Um, yeah, I, I like the take. I'm not sure how competitive it will be at the end, you know, in August when we start counting and, and, you know, every single win has that much scrutiny. Definitely interesting. Still seems like anything can happen in that division.
1: Yeah. And before you throw me mine, real quick, like the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Like, first of all, we're 26 games into the season, you know, they could, they could be really bad and they might be for the rest of the season. But think about their last three series. They beat the Dodgers in a series. They split a four-game series with the Cardinals, and then they swept the Marlins. I mean, that's pretty good. That's not something to just write off, and they're hitting a lot of home runs. So, you know, it's kind of interesting down there in Arizona. And
0: they have Zach Gallen, who is
1: just incredible. I mean,
0: one of those just filthy pitchers that I don't think anyone had on their radar. Um, You know, on that vein, I will go ahead and and give you my first take, and that's got to be... We've seen some ridiculous numbers pitching-wise already. You know, last Sunday we did our picks for Cy Young's, and there's a ton of great ones. The ERAs still do not look real-life. They don't even look video game numbers. I mean, these pitchers have better ERAs than my, you know, pitchers do versus the CPU on MLB The Show. My take is when we get to end of the season, there will be at least, at least three pitchers that have an ERA under 2.9 which historically, you know, if you're at three or under, that's pretty good. You don't get many that are sitting in the, the, the twos and, and really down there.
1: I think for sure. I think that's a preach. Um, I think there are a few things that go into it. Um, one is that like we've talked about before, we did a segment on it about these balls aren't flying. It seems like thus far in the season, we're not seeing a lot of home runs. Um, it seems weird, you know, like some days we have like a boatload of home runs. And then some days, like a couple days ago, nobody had like over three runs in a game. Um, and so I, it does seem like with when you have a lack of power hitter or not lack of power hitters, but lack of home runs being hit, you know, less runs are being scored. And that's, that will lower the ERA for a pitcher. I also think that the elite, elite pitchers this year, I think are just really good. You know, like we talked about Logan Gilbert, Max Scherzer, Kevin Gossman, DeGrom, when he comes back. I think they're just a Bieber. There are a boatload of pitchers who, one, already have extremely low ERAs and have looked really impressive. I, I definitely see at least three pitchers going sub 2.9 I'm curious what's that like what that has been like in history like last year how many were below 2.9 or the years in the past but to me right now just not knowing those historical stats it seems like that is a trend that will stick up and yeah I think you're preaching with that.
0: Uh, Real quick before you give me mine I just want to sound off on these fucking baseballs again Last night in the Dodgers game, you had what had to look like a no-doubt Max Muncie just towering blast. I'm off the couch, you know, hands in the air. Ball dies on the warning track, caught, like, a fielders back to the wall. You know, two innings later, Cody Bellinger comes up, annihilates a baseball to dead center. Joe Davis and I, we were both in agreement that that ball was gone, and it dies at the track again. Even Joe Davis was like, are you kidding me? I mean, these damn baseballs, You know, maybe it's the weather, maybe it's the baseball. But, I mean, I have never been got with so many false home runs in my life. I'm standing up celebrating, and that that warning track seems to be 30 feet big. I mean, everything just dies right in front of the wall. I'm sick and tired of it. we got to fix this.
1: How about my next one? Um, And this is maybe a little out there, and it's an early prediction, but preach or reach, Aaron Judge should be the clear al mvp favorite at this point um you know he's batting over 300 he has nine home runs at al lead he has 19 rbis uh he's on a crazy hitting streak too his last several games he's gone two for five one for four two for five one for four two for five two for four two for five five, one for three two for three i mean he's just on a tear right now is i mean is he the clear favorite right now if i say he is am i preaching or reaching
0: I mean, I, I think I have to give you the
1: preach there
0: as much as I want to give you a reach. I'm starting I'm running through my head, mental checklist. There's no one else in the American League right now that you can slide in that spot and reasonably, you know it's it, it's just what he's doing. And there are big questions on the health side of things, you know, we will we'll see where that that ends up, but it is I don't know. It's just Jose Ramirez has been really good, but like yep. Aaron Judge. He's the one just, guy. Yeah, I mean, for like the one guy, the solo guy argument, but I've got to say you're preaching. If he plays at this level consistently the rest of the season, it would be an abomination to not give him the award. So special shout-out to Carlos. Always in our Twitter mentions, this is your time. I'm giving a preach for Aaron Judge, AL MVP. There we go. Shoot and me. I've got I've got one coming back. I don't know if it's that much of a, a fastball. We've talked about it. Some we talked about it earlier this episode and last, but I just have to put it out there. I watched this red steam and I am, I am confident now, this is my take that the Cincinnati reds in the 2022 season will have the lowest winning percentage in the history of major league baseball. I'm confident
1: in this matter. Wow. Um, so, so I, it's for some context, the lowest in the modern era. So this is from since 1900 was the Philadelphia Athletics in 1916 that had a winning percentage at 235. They played less games then. So you gotta take note of that. More recently, a uh, a team that played 160 games was the 1962 Mets that had a .25 winning percentage. So a 250 winning percentage. They went 40 and 120. Um, And then another team that's up there very recently is the 2003 Tigers. They went 43 and 119. But I mean, so far, and I'll just answer. I say you're preaching. I think this team is just, they can't win a game. They can't win a single game. They're three and twenty. And you know, if you look at baseball in general, you know, you usually say that a skill level can make up for about a run difference a game, and luck makes up for another part of it and so you know maybe they're going to turn it around soon but right now three and twenty that's a 130 winning percentage point one three zero they're one and seven at home two and thirteen on the road they have a minus 68 run differential the next worst is in the american league the royals have a 39 so they have almost double that and the next worst in the national league is the nationals at minus 25 right now i mean this team just has nobody joey votto has been playing terribly jonathan india tyler stevenson none of these guys have been really playing that good and if you look at the rest of their lineup it's like random utility guys so i think this team will end with the worst winning percentage right now um, they start another game with the brewers tonight and they play the pirates in their next series which maybe they can get one there but this team's bad. I, mean, I think you're preaching.
0: I think it's to the point where, like, at the end of the season, you'll be able to recall every single win. Like, it will be such a low amount that you can be like, oh, I remember where I was on, you know, April 15th when the Reds won their third out of their 12 wins on the year. I mean, they are
1: unfathomably bad. So,
0: yeah, that, that's the take. I'm it's also a, just, a like, reach.
1: it's also just, um. Like, with all the controversies surrounding the organization and their owner making those comments that we talked about, like, it just seems like the perfect storm of negative things going on within the organization after trading all their star players, after rebuilding and having a really promising year last year, trading everybody, the owner makes bad comments and now they can't win a game. It just seems like the perfect storm for one of the worst seasons in baseball history. So, yeah, let me come back at you here. Uh, my final one. This is finally the year that Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, but specifically Mike Trout, play in the postseason. Uh, right now, the Angels are sitting at 15-10. and 10. They're one game ahead of the Astros in the AL West. Obviously, it's early, but they have a lot of good signs. They have the highest OPS in all of baseball. They have the highest run differential in the AL West. Um, they're seven and three in their last ten. They swept the Guardians. They've got a lot of good series wins. Is do we see Mike Trout the goat in the postseason this year? Give him a shot at a World Series. You're reaching. You're reaching, wow. and
0: I think it may be a hot take of mine that you're reaching, and it all comes down to, and, and you know. It's you're right. You're very close to preaching, in my opinion, as we talked about last year. You know, they have Taylor Ward. They have some fellas stepping up. Pitching's been good. To me, it's health concerns. At this point, I am factoring in that Mike Trout is missing at least 60 games. We just don't know when. Shohei's probably good for another 30 missed games. We don't know when, but it's so sad. But at this point, I'm factoring that in. And when those go down, I'm not sure they have enough weapons to keep winning. I think the AL West is going to turn on them. I know Seattle's picked it up a little bit, you know, Houston, they they've looked incredible as of late. I I think one of their big names goes down and I, I don't think that they uh, win the AL West and I'm not sure that the wild card spots will be there for them. So I'm going to okay, say, I mean like, trend God. continues, trend <laughs> continues. And somehow we will have once again, the unit the undisputed best player in baseball,
1: not in the playoffs again see but like I, I don't buy this injury argument because like okay sure th- back and forth trout missed some last year Otani missed the year before but just looking at trout okay so last year he only played 36 games really did miss most of the season the shortened season he played 53 of 60 and then going back so the rest of these seasons are out of 162 he goes 134 140 114 so that year he missed a de- decent amount then he had 159, 159, 157, 157. So I just like, I, I don't think it's just a it in, Trout gets hurt. Um, and, But but you said one of the stars. So it also means Shohei. But looking at Shohei, and he's in a weird spot because he pitches too. But 2021, last year's MVP season, was the year that he played most of the season. He played 155 out of 162 games. The COVID year, he played 44 out of 60. And the two years before that, including his 2018 Rookie of the Year, he played just over 100 games, so he did miss 60. So all that being said, when you add up, you know, the probabilities of them being injured based on their historical injury record, odds are that somebody's gonna miss some games. So, okay, you could say that, but I, I, I think this team has a good chance, I mean, The biggest mark, and I I don't want to go on for too long here because I know you've got one more for me, but it's if they don't win the West, if they don't win the West and you have the Astros winning it, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. There are three wild card spots then up for grabs if they don't win the AL West. And in the East, you have you have the Rays, Yankees and Blue Jays and, you know, kind of the Red Sox who all are contenders. The central you know, right now you have the Twins, who are up big, but you have to expect the White Sox to make a run. Guardians are an if, and the Tigers and Royals don't have a shot. And then in the West, the only other team is the Mariners. So some combination of those teams has to make it. I don't know. I think the Rays find a spot. I mean, excuse me, the Angels find a spot. I, and it, I just hope it happens. Who doesn't want to see Trout in the postseason?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, you almost have me convinced there truthfully with going (laughs) through the historical data you know you know i'll give it to you i'll give it to you for the argument i'm gonna give you a preach because you backed it up with the data and i think the pressure is highest it's ever been on mike trout i mean it's getting to a point where now you can't make the argument oh he's by himself you have a damn mvp sitting with you a the unanimous mvp The pressure's there. I mean, at a certain point now, you know the the management—they've gone out. You know, they got uh, Thor. It's just they—he has to get to the playoffs. Like, yes, baseball—you can't be a solo mission, but like, if it's not this year, Mike Trout may never ever play in the playoffs, which would be one of the weirdest Hall of Fame conversations ever (laughs) had.
1: Yeah, it's like we're talking about Dusty. He needs a World Series. Like, Mike Trout doesn't even have a playoff bat uh, plate appearance. And like, the thing is, if he plays at the clip he does through the rest of his career without an
0: appearance, there's truthfully an argument to be made that he gets into the Hall of Fame without playing a playoff game. I just don't know if you can do that. I don't think there's anyone in the playoffs who has not had a single plate appearance in the playoffs, or anyone in the Hall of Fame, excuse
1: me. Yeah, that's a, that, that's an interesting stat. I mean, I mean, obviously nobody comes to mind, but I... I... I feel like it's like one of those things. I was thinking about this the other day in the NBA. Like, are there any MVPs that aren't in the Hall of Fame? And I was thinking, well, Derrick Rose might be one uh, eventually, but who knows? But yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if there is uh, a player who's in the Hall of Fame without a plate appearance. Interesting. Interesting.
0: I'm going to certify that with the preach, though. I'm hoping, begging on hands and knees, practically, that we finally get to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. Because when you turn the clutch factor up on him, he may bat 600 in the playoffs. I mean, you don't (laughs) know he's an animal. Uh, My last one, also related to the playoffs and the Yankees, like we've talked, you know, it's very early. This Yankees team is scorching hot. Max... Are the New York Yankees going to win the American
1: League East by at least five games? No chance. That's a reach. I don't buy it. Look, this team, last year they went on a longer win streak and they didn't even make it out of the wild card game. They didn't even win the division. I I do not buy this whatsoever. I think the Blue Jays are going to win the AL East. I think they are the best team. Um, in the American League period. I still believe that the Yankees have been impressive. Like, I'm not going to say that they're not a good team. They've looked really good, and I give this win streak a lot more credence than that one last year had, because I think this is a better team. Um, And Judge has been spectacular. Rizzo's been spectacular. And they've seen a lot of good production from those guys like Glaber and DJ. Um, I just don't think that they... I don't think that one, they win the East, let alone win it by five-plus games. I think I think it's too competitive of a division, and I think the Blue Jays are too good to let something like that happen. I think the Yankees will be in the playoffs, but I still don't buy them winning the division. So I, I'm saying you're reaching there. Last two segments, as we do every Wednesday, these are our two Wednesday staples that we have to close it out. Quick, rounding third player watch, where we talk about one player that's up, one player that's down, And then we'll end it with our lock of the week. James, how about you go first? Who's your player that you're liking? Oh,
0: this is tough. I almost wanted you to go first because I think the player I have to take
1: you want me to go first.
0: I really don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll give it to you and see if you can bail me out of a tough situation.
1: (laughs) All right, I'll go first. I see. I don't think you took this guy to be honest. Um I, I figured you know I didn't want to take somebody like Judge. Uh I felt like that was too obvious. But maybe maybe you know you've pulled some guys out of your hat. I'm going my player that I've been liking that I think's hot right now is Jordan Alvarez from the Houston Astros. Um he's been looking really good and the Astros have been playing pretty well. He's only at a 265 average, but as of late and that's you know what this is about, he's been producing at a high level. He has um a hit in every game except for two since April 23rd. So so real quick, his last couple of games, he's gone one for three, one for three, one for three, oh for four, tough game there. Then he went one for three, three for four, one for four, two for two, two for three, one for four, one for five. So he had a huge hit streak. And not to mention, um in his past six games, his past six games, he's had four home runs, seven RBIs, and seven runs scored. So that's 14 runs produced by him in his last six games, whether he's scoring them or he's producing them and not to mention, this guy's only 25 years old. So like he's, he's at the age where so we're talking about some rookies at this age and he's been really impressive thus far. He won rookie of the year four years ago or three, depending on how you look at it, 2019 he won rookie of the year. I've been really impressed with Jordan Alvarez thus far. And I think he's, You know, if the Astros are going to keep going and give dusty that world series, it's going to be because he's producing at a high level.
0: You know, one thing I'll add on him is I have never seen someone hit for power. look so effortless. I mean, he just, he looks like he's not even sweating or even really like taking a big hack at the ball and he sends it past the train tracks at minute made, I mean, (laughs) very just graceful swing looks super easy and annihilates the baseball. But what I will say, Max, is that could not have worked more perfectly. He was the player that if you did not take, I was going to be forced to have to mention, and mentioning any Astro hurts my heart. I fully understand Jordan Alvarez had nothing to do with the cheating scandal, but until (laughs) until the Dodgers beat the Astros in a World Series, I will not forgive, or until the organization leaves Houston and rebrands, I cannot forgive. So because I, it was going to pain me, but if you didn't mention him, he's be, been on so much of a tear, it would be criminal to not have him brought upon the segment. Thank you very much, Max. That was, could not have literally storybook ending for me. Pun it over to you. You take the guy that was, had me in a blender, get him out of the way. Jordan Alvarez, he's been on a tear. I don't have to be associated with it, though. Just like he's, quote, unquote, not associated with the cheating. With that, who do you have? Give me yours, yeah. Mine, you know, I think I've actually had it before. I'm taking jazz Chisholm, and I'm not even taking it because of stats or hitting streak or all that. And the last two games, he has had two plays where he has come around, he came around and scored from second on an infield hit, and he came around on a pass ball that was basically still in the dirt next to the catcher and scores. And just for being able to add production there and this passion and intensity he plays with, I I have not seen someone play with the passion or intensity that jazz Chisholm plays with. I mean, he is in my opinion, the most electric guy in baseball right now. You just, you have to watch him. He's always doing something. He's got all the tools, just an incredible guy that like, I, I just have to be on these Marlins games, have to keep my eyes glued just to see what jazz's next move is. I mean, the passion. He he scores on that. As I mentioned, the infield single scored from second comes up beating the chest. Just he's got the drip. He's got the swag. He's got fire intensity. And for that, I'm making him my player, my player to watch because I just, I don't know, like I can't, I, I find myself tuning into Marlins games every night just to watch what he's doing.
1: I like it. I mean, I think he is, if if he's not the most exciting player in baseball, you know he's definitely up there. He I think they the other night I don't think it was an intentional walk, but they were pitching around him, and he was like throw, throwing his shit down and was like, "If you hear that, that means the Guardians just hit a home run." But anyway, uh, he's he was throwing his stuff down and was like, "They don't want it, like they don't want it." He was mouthing it to the camera because they were totally pitching him around, pitching around him. Because they didn't want him to punish. Him. I like the pick. Definitely a must-watch player. I love Jazz. Jazz so electric. Uh, he also did a
0: had an appearance on uh, Ben Verlander's podcast. I would recommend everyone take a listen to that. Just awesome guy. Uh, who is your yeah. bad player? Who, who's on your radar right now that uh, needs to pick it up a little bit?
1: Yeah, this is funny. I have two guys. Like I have I have two tabs open on my computer right now. I have two guys' stats. And it was really hard for me. One guy I was like really set on taking, and then I looked at this other guy's stats, and I was like, God, I I have to take him. I wonder if you're going to take one of these guys, but I think I think I'm going to go with Marcus Simeon. Um, he just has had a really really tough start to his new team uh, with the Rangers, and. I won't say my other guy. I'll say him after because I don't want to take him. Um, But Marcus Simeon, so far this year, and as we know, he signed a seven-year, $175 million contract coming over from the Blue Jays to the Rangers with Corey Seager to kind of build up that middle infield. So far this year, he has 92 at-bats and only 15 hits. He's batting 163, which is just... I mean, if you're paying a guy that much money, you ha- expect better performance. He's only getting on base at a 233 clip and his OPS, which you know we've talked about, a four on-base percentage plus slugging percentage, often considered one of the best offensive stats, it's under 500. It's 450. Like, you should have a slugging percentage higher than 450, let alone your OPS. He has no home runs. He's struck out 19 times it's just, he's been really tough. And, and, you know, we've talked about the Rangers before that this isn't a team that's going to be competing for a playoff spot, at least not this year. But if you're paying a guy that much money and he's going to be one of the cornerstones of your franchise with Corey Seager for the next seven years, you need better production. And he is just, he's been like a ghost out there thus far in the year. Um, but Yeah. Marcus Simeon, my player that's definitely struggling right now.
0: Well, I will say, say. Marcus Simeon was also my guy there. I think it underscores just how bad he's been. As you mentioned, he's a cornerstone guy, had a damn near MVP season last year for the Blue Jays. You expected a lot out of him and he was going to be critical, you know, because Corey Seeker was not going to carry the show if Texas was going to do anything he had to be there so with that said I think it's just funny that we both came to that conclusion but as always I have an emergency pivot and an honorable mention um for this stat because they're not a player but I've got to go hometown guy for me Max Muncy I mean I don't mm. know what happened in the offseason I don't know if he like similar to Kershaw didn't touch baseballs no tee work no batting cages 69 at bats on the year he's batting 130 He's got two homers, nine ribbies. You know, one thirty average though. It pits me is the of qualified players. It's the second worst batting average in baseball. His OPS is an abysmal five seventy one, and that is mostly carried his by walks. his on base percentage. Yeah, because of his walks. If he and his his OPS is around three hundred, yeah. like three twenty, and it, he's it's only the walks that are keeping him at about league average on base percentage. The slugging has been terrible. And, you know, not that Max Muncy is super critical to the Dodgers' success, but it makes a big difference when your cleanup hitter is mashing baseballs and hitting at a decent clip compared to this abysmal 130. You know, as I mentioned last night, I thought maybe he was going to cure the slump when he crushed a baseball. And, uh, you know, you could see it rip the heart out of him as he's in this slump. But he just—he has to get better, and I think the reason it's not a bigger story is the Dodgers' continued success and the lineup so deep that like you can be bad and just just kind of hide in there. Um, they still. Do you think that batter. has
1: anything to do? Do you think that has anything to do with uh, Freddie taking first? Because you know he's jumped around in the infield, but you know he's not kind of your everyday first baseman, and not that he was the everyday first baseman in the past, but. He's kind of, you know, thrown into a weird spot. I, w- I wonder if that's thrown his offensive production down at all.
0: Well, you really, you would think it would have the opposite impact you would expect by being able to make him DH and focus solely on hitting. He would be able to produce higher, but that could be a factor. Maybe he needs to get in the field, you know, to to kind of stay locked in, stay engaged in the game. I just don't know where you put him. Um, I mean, maybe you try him at second, but he's not the most athletic uh That power hitting frame doesn't make for the most athletic middle infield, Um, although he likes playing the position. He's just – I hope he gets out of the slump. He's got to find it. If he produces, again, that's why I had the Dodgers at the top of my rank. If they get all the pieces going at once, I mean, it's going to be something we haven't seen in baseball. Still want to underscore Marcus Simeon. Got to be the draft pick for this spot just because for the money they're paying him, he's not getting it done.
1: And then my honorable
0: mention – I'm just going to the MLB umpires as a whole. I don't know if it's just (laughs) recency bias, but like, I've just just weird stuff happening. I know I've mentioned like early to start the season, how they just, there was a hit piece out on Julio Rodriguez to strike him out. You had Ozuna go down the other day on three pitches, three balls, none of them within six inches of the plate. One, two, three, he's out. You had the ump today who was like the best way I can describe it is he, Took Madison Baumgartner and like stop and frisked them and was like rubbing and fe- you know everyone else does the like, that umpire sticky... should be fired yeah, yeah. Th- it was the weirdest scene ever he's like instead of just like doing a real quick you know check make sure there's nothing sticky on then he's like holding his hand and like rubbing it's like a palm reader with his hand well in the staring directly in his staring, eyes staring directly at Madison Baumgartner right in the eyes doesn't even look at the hand once waiting you could tell waiting knowing Madison Baumgartner would react. Waiting to toss him out of the game, which he did. It was honestly the weirdest thing I've seen in baseball this season, arguably the weirdest thing I've ever seen in baseball. I like where you're at. He's got to be fired. But as a whole, if these umps don't clean it up, luckily you had the one ump, uh, Chris Bassett. He missed the call for him and like, gave him the little my bad pat. That was pretty cool to see. That was but, great. Like, I don't know if there needs to be a challenge system or we need to get the robo umps out of AAA and up to major leagues, but like, i just noticed rest having way too much role in the games. I don't like it. I know it's a hard position to umpire and like do that, but like got to clean it up, you know? So additional honorable mention, uh, I guess not player watch, but like MLB umpires, like pick it up, stop listening to Angel Hernandez.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And last thing I'll say about Simeon, though, well, the reason I took him over, and I don't don't even want to say my honorable mention, but I will. It was Trevor Story, who's been just really, really bad for the Red Sox thus far. It's another guy they've paid a bunch of money, hasn't produced. But I'll, I'll maybe save him for next week. The thing, the reason I took Simeon real quick is, last year he set the record for most home runs hit by a second baseman at 45. And he hasn't hit a single home run yet this year. I mean, that's just... I mean, who knows what's going on and hopefully he picks it up, but then he's really struggling. Um, Yeah. I I just think it's so telling that we both had him on the list. He really,
0: you hope he picks it up. I mean, if not, this could looks like it could be a terrible career decision of his to take that contract.
1: How about we go to the lock of the week real quick to close it out. You know, (laughs) our podcasts always just climb in time because we just love talking about baseball, but Big lock of the week segment this week we got two winners on the books Ching. right double yeah win. I had a I had a Astros Blue Jays series I had Blue Jays winning the series and they actually dropped the first game but then won the next two so that was big and James what did you have again
0: I had. Mets minus one and a half versus the Phillies. And that was the game where the combined no-hitter happened. Mets get the three to zero victory. I cash my bet. It feels great, especially the fact that both of our first wins came together. Kind of a just electric moment for rounding third. The lock of the week is actually back. They're actually locks. Immediately stop fading us. Hop on the wave. Let's make some money. Just awesome stuff. I feel like huge monkey off my back. You know, I feel like it's that first hit of the MLB season. Feel great. Know what it's like to win. We're going to keep the momentum rolling. And with that, Max, what's your pick? What's your lock this week?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I'm worried about saying this because I don't feel like it's a lock, but I want to take the bet. And it's a, it's a bet I'm going to take. Partly because it's a game I'm going to and I'm very excited about it. Friday night, the Blue Jays are coming to Cleveland to play the Guardians. Gossman versus Bieber on the mound. Huge pitching matchup. I know the Guardians are going to be underdogs because, you know, the Blue Jays are obviously the better team. So I'm going to take the Guardians at home with the Shane Bieber start. Um, You know, they need to win when Bieber's on the mound. Gossman, though. I picked him as my NL Cy Young. He hasn't walked a batter all year. He's got 38 strikeouts without a um, a walk. So if he gets, I think it's 15 this next game, which probably won't happen. But if he does without walking anybody, he'll set the record that was set by Burns last year. But give me the Guardians. They're going to be, you know, plus 170, plus 180 odds at home with their ace, with a, a Cy Young winner. They've had great offensive production. Jose Ramirez, reigning AL Player of the Month, despite their maybe not great record and their tendency to either sweep or get swept, which has happened every single one of their series this year. They've ever been they either swept or gotten swept. Give me the blue. Give me the Guardians at home. I, I like it, Max. I love the pick. That pick
0: it was on my short list. I love Bieber. I think they defend his start. It's going to be a tough game. I like where your head's at. I think I may have to jump on your lock of the week with you. With that being wow. said, yeah, I mean, I, I I really like that pick. You know, if they're going to win versus Toronto, it's going to be because Bieber's on the mound. Um, so I like it. We'll see. I'm not sure that they sweep them. Maybe they'll they'll end that streak. But um, that being said, my they actually bad
1: just ended it. In. Quan just walked it off but anyway go ahead Quan just special shout out to
0: Quan. And, and I believe was that walk off the uh, the home run that we were hearing?
1: It was it was
0: that's that is incredible in a way we had live coverage from that because we got the fireworks in the background. Um, with that being said, my lock of the week I gotta stick with him. He's my guy on the mound. maybe my favorite pitcher in baseball that doesn't have a Dodgers jersey. I have the Tampa Bay Rays are traveling to Seattle on Friday night. Logan Gilbert versus McCallahan. I'm all in. Logan Gilbert has looked incredible. And until I see otherwise, I'm basically counting him as unhittable. He allows less than one run, one base runner per inning. He's not even allowing a run per nine. I mean, he looks incredible. I'm taking just the straight money line. On the Seattle Mariners this Friday, Logan Gilbert, he keeps it rolling. He's going to advance the record to 5-0. and I like it. I like where it's at, and I hope Wander Franco doesn't ruin my night.
1: There we go. Another good week of bets. Um another good so week, good to uh... win. I mean, come on, Max.
0: I, I mean, it just a little bit of a monkey on our back. I think it was huge to turn the tide and get some wins on the board.
1: Definitely, definitely. Our first two locks of the week. Um, tune in again Monday. I think we're going to have some interesting changes to the podcast. You know, we talked about the uh, the rapid recap m- being substituted. We're thinking of mixing it up with Sunday Night Baseball as well, kind of doing something else to maybe draw more attention to it. Um, but another good episode, episode 32. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at rounding Third. Now We're tweeting all the clips from all the games as they happen. Um, You know, we've got a lot of traction. A lot of people are hitting us up uh, on on Twitter. It's been fun talking to people. Carlos, uh, one of of our main, uh, I guess, respondents. But James, another good episode. It was fun.
0: Another good episode. Everyone, tune in. Bet our locks. Get on the Twitter. We watch 15 games a day, so you don't have to. You know, that's the pitch. Get on there. Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't. Max, it is always a pleasure talking baseball, and I hope we made at least one new baseball fan out of this episode.
1: Yes, sir.